And on the podcast this month, Joe and John talk about the first magazine of 2019 and they round up the recent webinar and look forward to the rest of the programme for this year. And then Doug Shaw and Martin Cousins drop by to talk about their new productivity framework. First up, we look at January's magazine. Okay, so here we are, face to face, talking about this month's magazine. Welcome again, Joe Cook, how are you? Thank you very much. Lovely to be here in this room with loads of fake greenery in the shard where the TJ offices are. And face to face again, we're, gonna, we're making a habit of this, John. It's good, yeah. This is the Winter Garden, which is the, the fanciest room in uh, the TJ offices. And it's right on the corner and it looks out kind of over the London Eye and uh, various things. Very nice indeed. But we're here to talk about the magazine. It's the first one of 2019, um, which still feels a bit weird. But um, we've gone back to... Uh, a single topic every month. Uh, I, I like the idea of last year, but it did kind of pull things in lots of different directions. So the theme this month is uh, interpersonal skills, aka soft skills. Yes, we, there's several pieces which I've enjoyed, but let's talk primarily about what Cook looks at, because it was very, very interesting. Ah, well, I know there were some good comments and, and feedback on social media about it, because we put the column on the website, or well, you put the column on the website, and thank you very much for that, because we don't often do that. Um, and basically there was uh, an event that had happened, actually in, in my personal rather than working life, and it was about the feedback afterwards, which quite frankly was really painful, <laughs> and, and how I worked through that, and that's what the column's about. So what made it interesting or resonated with you? I just thought it was incredibly honest and not enough, not a lot of people and not enough people do this, which is to talk about the, the bad times or the things mm. you get. The biggest, well, we're coming from a place of talking about learning and development, but in terms of experiential learning, often the most important learning you do is when something bad happens or when something unexpected happens, perhaps. Yeah. And, and it and, was both of those things, because I thought I was doing really well and the feedback was, no. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> and that made it worse. It wasn't, oh, you're trying or you're not trying and, and there's a, a challenge. It was you are trying in this situation and you're still failing. And, and be, that, because that was also about the core of, of me. It wasn't about, oh, actually, you didn't write that very well. Your grammar wasn't very good. It was you as a person. And that's what made it really hard. Yeah, but I don't think... I think everyone could learn from the way you wrote it, but also the experience, because, yeah, as I said, it, it's something that people should do more is kind of face up to these things and also put it out there that it happened because people will say there is an element of bravery to it, I think, doing this, but well, also, thank you. yeah, but also it's something that we should all look at and there's no way that you're going to go through life without criticism and, out, and without kind of the rug being pulled out from under you a little bit in certain situations and uh, facing up to those and and uh, learning and changing and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, and thank you to everybody on social media who'd said such positive, lovely things. And, and I just hope it helps someone to look at themselves and kind of go, ha, yep, I didn't do that very well and, and I need to own that and decide what to do with it. So apart from Joe, uh, there's 
lots of other great stuff in the magazine and it all centres around the TJ Awards which happened in December. Can I can you believe it was only last month, feels like absolutely ages ago. It does. So we have no cover star, the cover star is a TJ Award itself in a background of lovely purple. Very and, worthy cover star. Oh yeah, and, uh, and a, an extensive piece from Debbie about the winners uh, with the amazing picture of the Tower of London there. It really was quite an incredible event and Richard Barkey in his second of his quarterly columns uh, talks about his experience at the TJ conference during the day. Uh, as well, the TJ Awards conference. Then the rest of it is uh, a million and one pieces about interpersonal skills, actually, uh, as well as a new piece from Tom Brown, who is head of training for Dodds Training. Uh, we also published that on site. This is a new uh, relationship that we're developing with Dodds Training, and uh, so I'm sure you'll be all very interested to see where that goes. Well, I, I think that was a really interesting column, and, and actually bearing in mind we're in TJ Towers today, I bumped into Tom, and I was like, I've just literally read your article on the train on the way up here. And I will be the first to say I'm not the most interested in politics and government. But I found his column really interesting, partly about what is a government anyway, but also about the different ways of approaching training and what he's going to bring to that. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading more about the challenges in that sector. Yeah, completely. And, you know, we, we've, uh, we're both part of the Dodds portfolio, but we don't often collaborate so mm-hmm. I'm really excited to to pull our two kind of business units together a bit more and like you say uh, I, I have quite an interest in politics but I don't have uh, a, a much experience in what government entails so his his first piece was a really really good scene setter mm-hmm. about what they're going to be talking about and the challenges that they face in terms of high turnover of people yeah. or everyone moving in different directions and pulling all these people together to to learn what they need to learn to be effective in government so and i think it's its own little world so just before christmas i went to the foreign commonwealth office christmas event which was really exciting so i had a client in government and that's why i got invited and talk about out out of my comfort zone completely different world but really interesting speaking to so many different people with the different types of work that they do within government and especially because it's the foreign commonwealth office it was therefore international uh, and i won't bore you with about it for too much longer um, but yeah i'm really looking forward to exploring that some more Uh, Just to finish up on the magazine, uh, there's a really, really good piece about depression. I actually got some pushback on it from a practitioner based in the States about how we should sort of phrase talking about depression, how we should handle these things and talk about whether it's, you shouldn't refer to the stigma, you should talk about uh, kind of mental well-being and things like that. So that's a whole other conversation which I may well get into in a separate podcast, but very, very good piece. Um, we obviously got Henry Stewart rounding things out with Happy Talk as well. And Joe, did you pull anything else out this month uh, in terms of articles that you're into? Yeah, really loved all the interpersonal skills article. My favourite one was by Matthew McLaughlin and it was about soft skills equals hard results. And I loved it because it not only talked about so-called soft skills, but also referenced loads of interesting research. One being um, a report from, I think it was 1918, uh, by Charles Reborg Mann, and he said that there was a theory that 85% of job success came from soft skills, whereas just 15% from hard skills. And that was in engineering in 1918. And the people are revisiting that theory now. And the whole article, really, really good. Um, definitely go and read that one. I'm still struggling with the uh, the way that soft skills are kind of the, the terminology that people use for soft skills. There, it isn't quite there. It's not quite right. It's amazing that it's been around so long, or, or that 
that, that research goes so far back and we're almost still struggling with these kind of same concepts. Soft skills, interpersonal skills, behavioural skills, we haven't got time to talk a bit about it now, but uh, there's, there's definitely the skills that we refer to as soft skills or interpersonal skills are clearly getting more and more important and uh, it's just a great issue. And Joe, what do we need to do to subscribe? Can you do it off the top of your head? If you want to subscribe, you just go to trainingjournal.com and what you can do is find a link there to subscribe to the magazine. If you want to, you can get a digital only subscription, which is a little bit cheaper, or you can just wait online for three months and we unlock the magazine for everybody. And of course, there's the print version, which uh, we're the only print magazine in the UK. How about that? What a pro. <laughs> Webinars, webinars, webinars. So we had one this week. How did it go? We did. I'll be honest, there are a couple of technical glitches, one of which was my fault, some of which were Adobe Connect's fault. But we we trooped on nonetheless. Yeah, it was great. I had to I had I had to dash off kind of midway through it, but uh, I think it went really well. You handled the, the technical hitches incredibly as always uh, and I'm a bit annoyed I couldn't stay for the whole thing um, but, but we've got a recording of it <laughs> but we do have we do have a recording of it yes and it's on our new uh, brand spanking new uh, and recently relaunched YouTube channel Woo-hoo. so uh, yeah I'll put the link in the show notes or underneath uh, on the SoundCloud page definitely check it out if you weren't attending live or maybe even if you were I think some like 40% of our webinar attendees also watch the recording which is quite interesting yeah, and it's really nice sometimes to be there in the moment, in the chat window, getting involved, but also sometimes there's merit in watching it again even, or just afterwards, so that you can sit back, relax and take it in, more like watching a TV show. Um, so I think you've got a good point there. That's true, actually, because there is so much going on, because you've got the speakers, you've got the chat pane, which is almost its own entity in itself, and uh, it's, it's quite difficult to keep up with that sometimes. So even if you did uh, watch it live, uh, do go check it out on our new YouTube channel. Uh, moving on to February, on February 5th at 4pm, we have two great speakers. Uh, Doug Shaw is one of them, and I can only remember his name because I know him, and I can't remember <laughs> the other one. Who's the other one? Stephanie Barnes. Stephanie Barnes, and the subject is, how can we use storytelling, art, humour, and music? Music in learning which I'm is fascinating that you've remembered that well it's a, it's a lot to take in but I'm really really interested in what uh, those two are going to have to say on it actually yeah and and we've all been on training sessions where they've done some cringy music quiz or they've got you to make a poster that just seems like we're sticking in a, a visual learning part because they believe in learning styles <coughs> rubbish so it's how do you use those things with authenticity that you don't turn off people and it actually makes sense and I can't think of any two better people than, than Doug and Stephanie actually to talk about this because they both do this as part of their practice they're both artists Doug's a musician uh, we've interviewed Stephanie Barnes before I met her at Online Educa Berlin a couple of years ago so I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation whether you're creative or not it's about then well how do we pull some of those things together so that we can utilise that part of our skill set yeah and I think it also plays into something that we've talked about quite a lot recently that I think is really really important which is looking outside of L&D for other influences and we have we did refer to that in a webinar recently in December I think yeah we had Barbara Thompson talked about a whole raft of amazing things she She was going off about Quentin Tarantino and all sorts it's really good architecture was amazing I love Bab she's brilliant and she really started that conversation for us in December I think yeah so maybe this one is kind of a follow-on from that and again it's about these other places and these other techniques and other facets of your ability and different skills that you can bring to learning. So I'm really, really excited for it. 
And it can be around media, it can be around, you know, on, on, even on the training journal webinars, I've got a sound file saying, welcome to TJ Wow, because, you know, that's a fun thing to do to get us going. When I'm making my PowerPoint files for my training sessions, it's all about great imagery and design. So can I play a guitar? No. Can I sing? You don't want to hear that. But can I use creativity somehow? Absolutely. Cool. So Tuesday, 5th of February, 4pm GMT. Be there. If you can't be there, then it'll be up on our YouTube channel pretty soon after that. Just before we get into our interview of the month, a quick word from your dashing podcast host. Thanks, John. So a quick word about podcast adverts. We are looking to advertise your business. And for a limited time only, we're going to give you the opportunity for free. So if you'd like to hear yourself on the TJ podcast, Submit us a 30-second script about you and your company and all the great things that it does. Send it in and we'll feature you on the TJ Podcast. You can get us on Twitter at Training Journal or on Facebook slash Training Journal or you can do it the good old-fashioned way by email. This is a limited offer only, so act fast. Hi TJs, it's Joe Cook here. We're at the actual Training Journal conference at the moment um, and I thought we'd kind of pop out into the coffee room, so if you can hear lots of coffee percolating, that's why, and have a chat with two of my favourite L&D gentlemen. We have Doug Shaw and we have Martin Cousins. Now Doug, first of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, hi folks and thanks for the opportunity Joe. Um, I'm Doug and I'm a freelance artist and consultant or consultant and artist depending on what day of the week it is. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated in the arts and how we can use them to lend and add meaning to our work. Uh, and I'm also just generally interested in the world of learning and development, particularly from a kind of self-determined perspective. So I use the arts to help people think differently about um, what they're doing and take action based on that thinking. Thank you, Doug. And you've got some lovely work that you've shared on Twitter and Facebook in the past. So really appreciate Thank that. And, and we come to Mr. Curation. Would that be fair, Martin? <laughs> well, yes, in some, in some senses. Uh, lovely to be here, Joe. And thank you for having me and us. Um, yes, I, I, I suppose I run two businesses. One's called Learn Patch. One's called It's Developmental. And the areas of interest or specialism are probably content, communication, curation and done quite a lot of activity in the learning space, be it facilitation, workshops, those kinds of things. But they're my, those are things that excite me and that I'm able to do in my work. Excellent. And something that we're talking about today, I find quite exciting in a really geeky work way, is about getting things done, productivity. Tell us a little bit, Doug, about the, is it an experiment, a pilot, or just a project that you've been doing? Or is it all of the above? Yeah, it could, it could be com- described as all of the above. So uh, a while back now, Martin and I were involved in some work trying to understand what the barriers were um, to people kind of adopting a more digitally literate approach to work. Um, and I'm that's a bit of a buzzword kind of term, but anyway, that was the thing that we were looking at. And one of the things that we found really interesting was um, was that people were actually quite kind of, they were unsure really, I suppose, about what was expected of them, what they were supposed to be doing, and, and they were just not particularly good at uh, making progress. They felt stuck, I suppose. So in response to that stuckness, Martin and I developed a, um, a loose framework that we could adopt and apply in a collaborative workspace, and we chose to use Slack as our um, space to work. 
and the intention behind doing that was simply to give us and a few other people who opted in uh, an opportunity to work in a kind of safe non-judgmental space which was all about sort of peer-to-peer learning being comfortable in setting responsibility for your own um, goals and tasks and and being given the time and space to kind of get on and make them happen and and if you wanted to to kind of check back in and, and hold yourself to account but importantly hold yourself to account not anybody else okay so Martin was this something that was internal to an organization and tell us a little bit more about this loose framework so we launched it off the back of doing a talk at an event actually and um, there was some interest in the room for what we were describing which is basically taking action I think is probably the just get on with it well, yeah. well, well you know we all know in L&D there's a lot of talk as there is in every sector about what needs to be done what needs to change and the critical thing for uh, for me and for us I think is how do you do that and this is what this sort of framework uh, was born out of this kind of challenge of actually saying in my day-to-day work what is it I'm going to do that could lead me to have you know to achieve different things and achieve them differently even so the the, the slack channel is really very simple there, there is not a lot of complexity here the, the basis of the, the framework is to check in every day and share tasks and think about those you know in a weekly way and then also we have a place where we can share other stuff but the focus for us is to put in weekly and daily tasks and discuss goals that may be you know um, more longer term or medium term in just a week um, and then that starts over time that starts to give you give you a lot of transparency and visibility around what you're doing and the interesting thing with that is for all my years in the corporate world managing teams you have a sense of what's going on but you do not have that kind of visibility of what people are working on and 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 the, the thing that isn't scary about it is it's about just focusing on the tasks nothing else so if you're if you were to see someone else who's actually trying to get through 30 things in a week you know the the interaction could be around is that realistic for you and then unpicking why they might have to do all of those things and then you just mean you can really get to you just focus on the task nothing else just the stuff that needs to be done and I just don't see enough of that so it was that's the, the framework provides an opportunity to do that okay so it was it was open so it wasn't for an individual company so therefore presumably there was no manager and, and line manager kind of relationships so then how you know if I put on there like today I want to do XYZ here are my tasks how would somebody support me or how could I ask for that support what kind of conversations were happening Doug? That's a great question and I think you've hit on something really important here so within the group there were definitely people who were operating at different levels within their organisations so there were people who were chief execs of um, successful well-known companies and people like myself who are freelancers and and all points in between. So although we weren't connected by a common sort of hierarchy or structure, we were definitely operating at multiple levels, which I found really interesting. And really what we we did was we just kind of um, 
we played, if you like. So, so we started off by just making notes about the kind of things that we wanted to do. Um, we checked in optionally to, to, to let people know how we got on. And, and if people wanted help, they would ask for it. Um, so it was, all, it was very much a kind of space where you were encouraged to participate rather than encouraged to respond. So, so participation was, was really important. It's all about opt-in, and it was all about kind of being responsible for your own actions and choices. And the intention there was to just kind of, you know, liberate people from that feeling of needing to have to kind of respond and actually choosing to respond to what was important. And also, I think over time, what was really interesting was that we began to, re people began to realize that actually sometimes we might make less optimal decisions and then that's fine as long as I'm learning from it and recognizing that actually I've been overloading myself lately then I need to start thinking a bit more carefully about what I realistically can afford to get done but but I'm not having anybody kind of coming in and telling me or coercing me so sometimes these things took a while to come to the surface but as with most things learning wise when when it hits you yourself it's much more impactful than when someone else is coming along saying oi sure why haven't you done these eight things today and we, we thankfully never found ourselves in that place <laughs> and that, that's really interesting so years ago I used to work for a manager who was sometimes let's say be off to our um, US headquarters for three weeks and I wouldn't hear a thing from her but the day I worked from home I had to send an email in the morning saying this is what I'm doing and an email in the evening saying this is what I've done or not done and there was a, a conversation around that now apart from the micromanagement of flexible working we are going back a few years but not that many sadly so what is it around when those conversations were coming through obviously some people were choosing to share yeah. I didn't achieve everything yeah. or I did achieve everything yeah. and more but then there's the why and like you say there's that there's that internal looking at this and how much of that came out that was negative of oh I'd never achieve anything I'm always overworked it's such a hassle and at what point you know how did those people come to those realizations of oh my god I'm doing the wrong thing or I'm doing it the wrong way and changing that do we see I'm trying to cast back to the actual project and, and, and what came through on that. So that that's why I've had my thinking face and I'm slightly hesitant that's right. So, so from 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 memory, in terms of how the pilot went, I, I think so. One of the things that's really interesting about this stuff is it, it is it is it, it, it develops um, and requires actually a high level of trust. And and in fact, one of the things that we've been challenged on by one or two people is, and I won't name any names here for reasons that are about to become obvious. But I've shown this way of working to people who are responsible for learning and development in organisations. And I've had feed feedback on things like, well, we just don't trust each other enough to work like that. You know, um, my team wouldn't be able to cope with it. And it's kind of funny, really, because in a way, I think those are the sort of groups of people who could actually really benefit from it the most, because there's a level of assumption that someone who's running a team is conveying what, what are they, what, you know, what, what's kind of going on in that, in that sort of conversation. So I think... The thing is, with most of the, most of the stuff that we've learned, we've learned it kind of, we've learned it by doing, and we've learned it over time, and we've learned it almost. So I think one thing that's been really interesting is we've had a lot of kind of um, unintended consequences type stuff. Uh, some of it's very positive, some of it less so. But I think one of the things that's been quite absent really is there's not been much, there's not been much evidence of sort of stress or reluctance because we've chosen to be very open in in the process and actually. That I think that's a really um, 
you know, leading by example sounds a bit cheesy, but actually, if you're coming into a space and you can see that people are working in that way, then it's easier to ease yourself into it, I think. And one of the things that we're looking to uh, play with next is, is find a way of actually inviting people into the space just to come and have a look around, because we've got nothing to hide, and we think it would be interesting for people just to come and maybe experience it for, I don't know, a period of time, just to get a sense of what's going on, what we might learn from new new eyes coming to look at it, and what other people might learn from, from seeing the experience. Because certainly from my own point of view, I've found this thing, as a freelancer, really quite transformational yeah. in terms of how I've been, and again, I use that word guardedly, but it really has changed the way I work um, significantly. The only other thing I was going to add, Joe, was the, 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 the learning from each other bit of this. So that idea of, you know, identifying the fact that you can't do something. Interestingly, what we saw was that people were quite open about asking others. So in actual fact, that, that kind of uncertainty around not being able to do, you know, identifying, it's like, oh crikey, I can't, I've got stuff here that I'm, it's, it's difficult to achieve was being overcome by people being quite open about the fact that... And was that around individual tasks of, I don't know how to do X, something in Excel, or I don't know how to do this in Twitter, or was it more fundamental about how do I achieve? A lot of it was to do with, for that group, was, was, that, was just quite task-focused. It's okay. like, actually, I, you know, there's a, there's a group of interesting people here, we do, we're working in this certain way, and what emerged out of that is the fact that people felt they could just start asking, well, I've got this, you know, that I'm working on, can, who can help me with that? Yeah. So then you start getting a, it kind of works at that level. There's suddenly an exchange ar around just people being a bit more cooperative, um, you know, be because they're there, they trust each other, they're, they're kind of being quite open with each other. Yeah. And some of the stuff was quite sort of specific and, and it might relate to something quite technical. But I, and I recall several conversations being much more broad, so around the sort of wider, more generic theme of something like, well, you actually, you know, I've been tasked with developing something to enhance leadership qualities in this organisation. Anybody got any ideas? Um, now, that's a very uh, wide open term. But again, it was really nice that people felt comfortable and confident, you know, asking those kind of questions and being willing to play with it. So I think what's interesting is you choose. So you're in there, you're a participant. We, we offer a very simple, um, loosely sort of structured way of working that you can adopt as tightly or as loosely as you want. And then you begin to find what works for you and what, what, you, what gets the most out of it. And one of the things that Martin touched on earlier on is that actually we've both adapted within that structure. And so I will find myself doing certain amounts of analysis about what's gone before. And I can then reflect on that, share it with Martin, and then that informs some of our collective and individual decision-making thereafter. So it's, it's a very, um, it's very interesting from that point of view. And to Martin, you know, Doug's talked a bit about his somewhat transformational experience. And, you know, we're all kind of freelance here as well. We all run mm. our own companies. And I know in, in the work that I do, mm. there's been certain barriers and blockers. And I just, you know, there's projects that just have not been done for a year. Mm. And there's work been done on them, but they just haven't got there. Mm. And something that my Michael and I do is on Friday we have a reflection Friday and we try and go through these things and find out what is it from a task or a process or an individual point of view that we've done as a success or a failure and, and areas of grey in the middle 
what is it that you've got out of this group and this pilot yourself in your work too? Um, I think this sound, might sound very, very simplistic, but the idea of sharing what you're doing every day is quite a thing in itself. Yeah, I don't think like, I'd want to do it. Yeah, well, most people do their own to-do lists, yeah. and which is personal to them, relative to their team and kind of the work that they do and where they work. But actually, you know, saying this is what I'm doing today and this is how I am filling my time is a, you know, that's been quite a big thing for me, um, especially well, there's two of us in our business and so I'm, it enables me to, in talking to Doug, I'm talking to someone who doesn't, you know, he knows my business to a certain extent, he knows it more than he did a year ago, but, you know, that wasn't the point. The point was I'm sharing something with someone who's got a shared interest in, in, in how work gets done. But actually, it's still a bit scary because you're thinking, crikey, you know, what's, what's Doug going to think about? I am mean, thinking, well, you know, what does one think about those tasks? Because I'm thinking it myself. So I, I, this is a hugely important area for me, is just being able to put it down. Yeah. The second thing is, so the other person in, in the business, uh, we're a husband and wife team, um, now, Machine doesn't use this um, way of working, but what it does bring is a lot more transparency over what we are doing as a business, um, especially because of some of the role that I play in the business, especially around you know, new business, account management, stuff like that. So we, c we have very different conversations about how the business works, so that's been a really positive thing. And I think, uh, and just this week, it was a case of I had to have a task done and I've been letting it slip and you know I said to the machine look I can't this is just hasn't happened this week so we just have the conversation like I need two hours at the weekend to get that done and that's a much easier conversation to have um, we've got quite busy lives we've got lots of you know, we've got three kids and it's the weekends are really not it's useful for them not to be working in any way <laughs> so but that's just an example of, you know, how you, you know, that, that's not a, a difficult conversation to have because there's a lot more transparency about the priorities, actually. So then we're talking about this as individuals. In the case of us three, we're talking about people who are freelancers or with their own business. Let's put this into a different context. Could or should this work in a business or within teams? So if I'm your manager, should I be doing a version of this with you every day? Well, so I think that's a really interesting question, and I think the answer is kind of, it's, not, it's more a case of we should all be choosing to do it together. So for me, it's a really interesting co-active space. So it works when people feel that there's um, equivalent. So I think that whilst we might need to operate within some sort of hierarchical construct, construct in an organisation, the way that a system like this works is when people feel trusted and are able to, importantly, give, give that trust. So I think it would work really well in that environment, provided that environment is inhabited by a group of people who, broadly speaking, trust one another. Excuse me. And I know that not you know, that doesn't exist all the time, so I think um, if, if, if that trust is absent, then I think this could very quickly become a way of just, you know, 
nailing someone and saying, well, you didn't do X and you didn't do Y. But actually, if what we recognize is that we're better together and actually we're here to learn from each other, then I think it's a really powerful way of letting down some of those barriers and uh, enabling people to just talk more openly and confidently about what they're trying to do in pursuit of what and be comfortable that sometimes that's going to work and sometimes it isn't and because that's life I mean yeah. Yeah, that happens all the time I think we just have a tendency to focus on celebrating the you know the success and making a fuss about you know all the case studies of things that have gone well and sort of trying to brush all the other stuff under the carpet but actually that's where often where the best learning comes from and the way that the this has enabled us to work is in such a way that we can identify that and then choose to either take action on it if we believe it to be important or also just choose that actually it isn't important enough so actually if there is something that keeps slipping maybe what I've come to the conclusion is that I should be letting that go and giving myself permission to let it go because it's just not the right thing so I think it's an interesting psychological space as well as an yeah. interesting workspace and, it, and it, it, it does require a degree of trust and equivalence I think that's safe and to I say. Think, I think that's so important going back to that manager that I might not see for three weeks when she's working away and the one day from home where I had to record everything that to me was completely lack of trust and not so much lack of trust in me because she trusts me when she was away but trust in the process of working from home so did you notice any of the learning being fed back to be kind of I've done this for myself and actually I'm taking this back into work now I think that's what people were in that group that's what they were doing so I with their teams with their colleagues yeah yeah, yeah. I think that the, just coming back to that last point, I, I think if there is an interest in doing work better and getting more done more effectively, then it's not going to happen unless there's some transparency around what people are up to. Mm. I mean, that's just the reality. Now, I think we have a lot of vested interest in retaining the status quo. So we, you know, we accept that we spend 30% of our working week on email and all this kind of stuff. We don't have to do that. Yeah. But I think we do have to have a focus. We can do things differently. We have to focus on what we are doing day in, day out. And to your point about the trust, you know, it, it really does shift the dynamic. Yeah. You know, is the team able to focus on that? Yeah. That's the question. Is the manager able to facilitate yeah. that environment? Because if they could, I think the rewards would be very um, powerful for that team. But most teams don't work in this way. And there's a reason for that. And I think you have to sort of get past that. But I think the, you know, the idea of just focusing, is focusing on the task, not the person. That's the other Love thing. It. And that's, when you um, go to any kind of parent training, they tell you, don't tell your child they're naughty say what you have done is naughty and to me it's that same thing okay. so I think that potential of what you can achieve with the trust is a great point at which to end a really positive point and Doug where can we find out more about you if we want to look you up uh, <laughs> if you want to come and stalk me online then I'm readily available at consultingartist.com I'm on Instagram as Doug Shaw D-O-U-G-S-H-A-W and Twitter at Doug Shaw 1 Wonderful. And Martin, where can we online stalk you? Um, Martin, at Martin Cousins on Twitter, which is Cousins with a Z, C-O-U-Z-I-N-S, and learnpatch.com and itsdevelopmental.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. So I think it's probably time to go to the pub, John. Pub, definitely. <laughs> Bye, everyone.
TJ Podcast is hosted by John Kennard, Joe Cook and Kate Graham. It's produced and edited by me, John Kennard, with additional production by Joe Cook. Title music is by The Leisure All-Stars featuring Yolanda. The sponsorship music is by Audio Nautics and is used under a Creative Commons licence. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC.